Welcome to Downstage with Brian and Hayden. Or Hayden and Brian, since he's Hayden and I'm Brian, and, you know, it's uh, me doing that, you know. Uh, yeah, uh, so as we always do, before we start talking about this week in entertainment, we decided to talk about how all week in, uh, all week as actors are, uh, or in the acting world, as I say. Or just creatives, really. Creatives, I should, yeah, creatives, uh. I've been getting a lot more creativity going. Um, Hayden probably t- uh, explain a lot more better because I got you know I got to make sure to know what I'm talking about before I uh, speak. At least he knows what to speak about already with uh, his creative work. Because <laughs> there I was there on Sunday. Yeah, yeah, he's just t- he's talking about my scripted series, my scripted superhero series that I have been writing, and hopefully one day. Will get made. It could yeah. be a while, but one day, it it hopefully will happen. And one day, if that does get made, and that's probably gotta be like one of the major links down below is to support Hayden's Fandango, uh, uh, not Fandango, Indiegogo, or what have you, uh, or Patreon, or Patreon kicks up. Well, we do have a Patreon with me, so it actually does make sense. <laughs> But I rarely use it because I still have no idea how to use Patreon. So, hmm. I, and the only thing I use Patreon is to actually support a couple of people, uh, a couple of entertainment, uh, a couple of wrestlers I know for their work. So, hmm. nice. But yeah, uh, on Sunday, as I as uh, Hayden said, um, I was there reading his uh, stuff for uh, Kinetic, and then the following, uh, the following, the following night, yeah. Uh, the fall, the, going into that night, I went out, went to see a friend's show. Uh, shout out to Abigail, who probably is watching this, I hope. Uh, she did a performance of a, uh, a comedy performance, or, yeah, she was in a comedy show about basically what if fairy tales were kind of like set in the modern day, but still set in that fairy tale um, era of. of it being still kind of like a fairy tale, so it's really like, both worlds. Yeah, best of both worlds. So it was both a parody, a homage, a satire of a lot of things, especially going into, uh, uh, yeah, especially going into the show. And she was hilarious, of course. This was my first show of seeing her actually in that performance, and everything else was pretty good. You know, afterwards I went home. Rest is up for the night, because the following night, on Monday night, I went to see Ethan Hawke talking about a book of his that he actually wrote, that I actually do have. Oops. If you can see it. Yeah, hopefully you can see it. Hopefully you can all see it. It's called uh, A Bright Way of Darkness. I know it's a big, little tongue-tied of words. But basically, in his own words, it was almost a autobiographical work that he started writing as a piece of fiction until he decided to really devolve it. I mean, evolve it into a piece of fiction with like hints and pieces of his own life, kind of like sprinkled in with the character. And he even mentioned that you know there are like moments of his life where he says, "You know what? That might be good to that might be good for the character." So I'm just like pull it out for that and, you know, use it for that and all that stuff. And between those two nights, it, it has, and especially with uh, Hayden's uh, scripted series, Kinetic, it has allowed me to become a lot more creative, and I feel like the the wheels of creativity and inspiration are flowing a lot more betterly, especially over the past two years. Well, that's awesome. Especially considering the last two years, it's like, you know, a lot of creative stuff, you know, because everything that happened with COVID and all, it's like it was hard to be creative during that time. So, so yeah, it's great that, it's like, everyone's creativeness is able to kind of, like, you know, come back. You know, at least with me, you know, my creativity hasn't really stopped because I have my show, the the regular call time, which isn't on hiatus, by the way. It just says, you know, I, I like to have myself... Uh, a nice little set schedule of, you know, 
uh, an episode, maybe two per month, just to keep myself uh, marginally not burned out. But over the time, it, it definitely is like kind of hard to keep up with a podcast. That's, at least with this, this is kind of like a biweekly, a week, uh, a weekly to biweekly uh, ep- uh, podcast series where we just talk about you know stuff happening in the in the world of current events and entertainment. Which goes into a great topic. Uh, the first event, I mean, the first current event, the uh, domestic box office. So, Uncharted came out this past weekend and exceeded all expectations in terms of box office. It thought it was going to fail in terms of like, you know, it's, you know, one, it's a Sony movie. Two, Sony movies have really not like gone well in terms of like, original properties, so if it was, like, a Sony movie that was, uh, say, like, a... Like, them trying to build a franchise, it will probably, you know, bomb or fail or whatnot, and then... It's also a video game movie. The last time a video game movie that was really successful was... Uh, Sonic the Hedgehog, Sonic the Hedgehog, but that was a light case, because that happened right before COVID, and that was essentially, like, the last movie in figures that was really successful mm-hmm. now will they also do- sonic had like one thing in its advantage the the cute animal factor essentially yes uh with uh uncharted and also jim carrey as uh robotic oh and of course they had that too like yeah spot-on performance there yeah uh but with uncharted the the main thing that was going for it was Tom Holland and Mark Wahlberg. You know, Holland is coming straight off of uh, Spider-Man No Way Home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I finally got it right. Uh, <laughs> and not to mention those two have been doing so much of the marketing. Like, literally, I'll watch a YouTube video and I'll see an ad for Uncharted and it's just Tom Holland and Mark Wahlberg. Yeah. Like, having this chat. And it's like, they kind of have a little bit of a chemistry, but not enough for these particular characters. Yeah, because- it would make sense. Yeah, because Sully and Nathan are, like, two pieces in the pod. They're definitely, uh, like, Sully is, like, one of my favorite characters in gaming because one of how cantankerous he is, but also of how hilarious he is at the same time. Because, you know, he'd be like, you know, oh, hell, kid, you know, yeah, and then... So, All right, there's one of my favorite moments from Uncharted, like, it's from Uncharted 2, where Sully goes, enough of the frivolity, kid. And then Nathan just replies, what does frivolity mean? <laughs> and that's their relationship perfectly. And and I'm not saying that uh, Tom Holland isn't a great Nathan. It's just that they kind of, like, built him up, like, like almost like, oh, man, he's, like, cool. He's hip and all that stuff, especially in marketing. And then from what people have said over, um, like, reviews that he does, like, he does nail down the mannerisms of Nathan Drake as being like the very almost MacGyveristic kind of like he action hero of the of the Indiana Jones quality where he just like kind of make, makes up things on the go. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what another thing was like marketing wise. It just didn't know like how the movie was going to be like because one, it did feel like almost like Tomb Raider-esque. And mm-hmm. Tomb Raider-esque, I, what I mean by that, I mean, if you go by the um not the original Tomb Raider movie with Angelina Jones. The, the, the new movie, like the that, video game. Yeah, I mean the new, the new movie that just came out like a few years ago. Oh, oh right. I I also totally forgot about that movie. I think a lot of people did. <laughs> if I'm just uh, mm-hmm. just bringing this back up, but it didn't. It, it did bring that up, and then you have a you know a, you have Antonio Banderas as the lead villain. That's that's um that's already a. Uh, a uh, a pull for okay, you know, he's, you gotta have Banderas as the lead villain. You gotta have Tom Holland as Nate Drake, Mark, you know, Mark Wahlberg as um as um uh, uh, Sully, and then you know, but the problem is is like and is like try, is them saying that oh it's sort of like it's 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 an origin movie for Nate when there's already been like an origin for Nate mm-hmm. and it, it was like done spectacularly well in the Thief's End. And also Uncharted 3, mm-hmm. where it's like it does mix up. It's like like if I ever wanted to play the origin of Nathan Drake, I would just play uh, uh, Uncharted 3. I'm blanking on the name. Is it Drake's Deception or is it? Yeah, that's. I think it's Drake's Deception. 
Yeah. I think it Drake, is, yeah. Uh, I might be wrong, but Uncharted 3, Drake's Deception, please don't say I'm wrong. No, yeah, yeah, it's Drake's Deception, because it was okay. the first one that was Drake's Fortune. So, yeah, no. the third one is Drake's Deception. Wait, I would probably play something like Drake's Deception and go straight into part uh, A Thief's End, where it's just, like, that kind of, like, tells the story of who Nathan Drake is as a character. And and it's hard to, you know, to do Nathan Drake as a character, because, you, you know, you don't want to make him too, like, jokey and, like, the, and that's the thing that's and that, and that's a thing I kind of been seeing a lot in film recently is that the younger hero or the hero that's like maybe in his 30s or late 20s or something like that, it's always put you know always portrayed as a very jokey type of mariner, mm-hmm. you know, especially if it's like a, like a perfect example would probably be like Chris Pratt in like say not Guardians of the Galaxy but um. Jurassic Park, uh, mm-hmm. uh, the, the, the Jurassic the, World. Yes, yeah, Jurassic World. First Jurassic World. They kind of like really played him up as a very jokey type of character, and then in Fallen Kingdom, they're like, okay, we learned what, what wasn't really needed for this character. Let's just dial it down, but he still has that sort of like joke qualities and stuff like that too. Mm-hmm. Which well, is also we, just kind of like that's just who he is too. Like you're not going to re- really be able to get a truly different kind of performance from Chris Pratt if you don't have something like that for Chris Pratt yeah. to do. Now, what I'm saying is is that I'm not saying Holland is a bad Drake. Uh, from what I've seen, he actually does pretty good, a, a pretty good, accurate performance. Yeah, he has potential. But yeah. it's like, but it's also worth pointing out that like even the actor himself, Tom Holland, said he was worried about his performance because he was worried he was trying too hard to make, you know, to make him look cool. Yeah. And, then, and it's like, it's one of those things where it's like, it can show or like, there is still this kind of stiffness to his character when it's like, it's like, again, we've seen the video games, even a younger Nathan, he still isn't, you know, he still kind of has that, you know, cockiness. Yeah. Cause that's just always inherently who he is. Yeah. He's even smart. when situations are bad, he's still, like, you know, even though he's screaming, oh crap. Yeah. Like he's still, you know, he still can find ways to be a smart ass in those situations. Yeah, and that's why we love him because not only is he a, a smart ass, but he's also like our smart ass because he kind of like he's he's also the everyman in in, in a lot of sense. Exactly, and, it's like he like he's essentially any of us if we would get thrown into those situations. Yeah, like he's responding the way any of us would honestly respond. Like in a perfect example of this was uh, Army of Darkness, which I was just recently rewatching last night, and Bruce Campbell does a great ex- as, uh, example of Ash. When he's transported back in time, this is not really a spoiler because that's how the movie starts. You know, like he gets transported back back in time to 1300 AD, and you know Bruce Campbell as ass, he's a smart ass, but he's also like a very everyman quality character where he's just like, what the hell is going on? And he's just like, he's just questioning about like, who are you? Who like? But the moment he sees these deadites and stuff like that too, he's like, oh. No, 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 It's like he's just he's got to try and back himself out of it. And then he has to go and pull himself out of this pit of and then show like, OK, you know, now, you know, I've already dealt with these deadites. Now, help you know, tell me how I get back home and stuff like that, too. It's but with Tom Holland's uh, Drake, as like, like the more I saw in the the more I saw in the previews, I was like, I really hope it doesn't play off like he's trying. They're trying to make him look like more Spider-Man type of quips of like the MCU type of humor and stuff like that too. Whereas, yeah. and of course, you know, casting someone like oh Tom Holland coming up out of the heels with like the Spider-Man franchise for for the for uh, for Marvel and especially for uh, Sony as well, you know. A lot more harder, especially to do a character like Nate and not think, oh, they're just trying to make him like very, like almost like Peter Parker, but we're out, you know, like all the the, the geeky type of mm-hmm. things about it. Yeah, but from what I've seen, Peter Parker, is Peter Parker, Parker. Indiana Jones, basically. Yeah, but from what I've seen, it's definitely uh, it's definitely accurate for the most part, especially from what I've seen of of Drake. I mean, uh, of Holland as Drake. Especially going from a video game perspective and also from a film perspective as well, where it's not as that. I mean, it's sort of the same character, but at the same time, it's not really the same character. But he's still trying to hone it as his own, like mm-hmm. that qualities. Yeah, it, 
it's like he would he could have done great if like they didn't try to kind of do those kind of like Marvel esque kind of quips, and then they also tried to like maybe not have him still be like he's this kind of because really like that one scene in particular where it's like that they show in the trailers where he's got doing this to the ear that little earpiece in his ear, and he's like, uh, I think you're just trying to kill me. And then Marvel was like, Well, stop touching your ear. You look like an idiot. Like that felt very Marvel esque. Yeah. Because like because yeah. if because like if this was made, then he would just be like. Like, he'd be very casual about it. He wouldn't be doing this. He'd be like, well, he just threatened to kill me. And then Sol would be like, oh, so just an average Sunday? Yeah. <laughs> or, it, it, like, it'd be a little more like that. Like, they'd, they'd be having a little more fun still. Like, you even know, it's, like, technically their first meeting, but not really their first meeting, because they already... It's also one of those things, too, where it's, like, they, they, they're also... They're just messing up the continuity of it, because, like, they... Because I think it was said, like, this is supposed to be the prequel to, like, the first game, essentially. Yeah, even though it doesn't really make sense because, you know, Mark Wahlberg doesn't really have his Sully uh, mustache, even though in, also, like... Also, Sully wasn't even that young, too, to begin with. And yeah. Like, when we seen the flashback in Uncharted 3. He's still, like... There's a reason why he always, like, you know, you know, like, everyone always makes jokes about him being an old man by the time Uncharted happens. Because he was already, like, an, a somewhat older man to begin with in the, in the flashback in Uncharted 3. Yeah, and he's, like, maybe in his, like... 40s or close to his, like somewhere in his 40s in Uncharted 3. Yeah, like mid 40s, I'd say. Maybe yeah. maybe early 40s. No, I'd, late 30s at most I'd give him, but age not, yeah, but like, but, it, but it's probably one of those things where it's like he just looks like he's aged up more just because of all the shit he's probably had to go through. Pardon my French YouTube. Yeah. Uh, but speaking of uh, a Tom Holland. Uh, some congratulations are in order for him because No Way Home has actually beaten Avatar in the domestic box office. So Avatar has been the king of the domestic box office for quite some time, especially going forward into um, uh, after Endgame. I think after Endgame is like, oh, I think Endgame didn't even beat it in, in terms of uh, domestic box office. No, I think, that, well, I think they beat him in the global one, if I remember right. Yeah, they did. Being that, the, I think that's yeah, because I was yeah, it was the global box office they beat him in. And the like, they beat him in the global box office, and then suddenly it's like, oh, um, uh, what was it, the uh, like they beat him in the global box office, but then Avatar got like a re-release in like somewhere, and then suddenly kind of like jumped back into number one because. <laughs> We, we can't have that happening. We can't have Avatar not being number one. No, no, no. Uh, but yeah, domestically, uh, domestically, I think it beat. I'm actually trying to look to see where I think. Hang on. Uh, yeah, I'm actually trying to look to see what I, I should have all these stuff open, but I'm, I'm like, I'm just kind of like in the moment of everything. That's okay. But, but yeah, in your words, like, what. Like, in your, like, viewpoint, like, what, do you think Spider-Man No Way Home beat Avatar domestically because of the storyline that they've been building for the past, say, 20 years with the Spider-Man film? Or just, like, only because of the the villains and just seeing all these villains and just, like, this nostalgia for previous spider-man movies oh it's nostalgia like already i can already tell you it, it was definitely nostalgia because that's the thing it's like i saw you know the all of, all of the three mcu spider movies i saw homecoming in theaters that was fine yeah. and then i saw actually I, I didn't see far from home because i honestly genuinely was just not interested in going to see it and from everything i heard about it yeah i'm honestly kind of glad i didn't go and see it and then i was I you know, because I knew they're going to third one. I'm like, uh, what's this going to be like? But then once I started, you know, seeing, hearing about all these rumors about what could happen, seeing the trailer, and then seeing, you know, the return of Doc Ock in that trailer, and hearing the Green Goblin's laugh, I'm like, okay, this is going to be good. Just because yeah. of the fact that you're bringing back these actors, and I'm like, <laughs> and the fact that it's, and the fact that it was clear that they understood what they were doing, like they weren't going to bring back these characters and ruin them. Because yeah. there were some people who had that fear. Understandable. I mean, Marvel, it's Marvel. That's, like, their shows haven't had a good track record. And some of the, movie, some of the movies have been kind of iffy sometimes. So I get, I get that little worry. But, no, I had, I had faith that it was going to, 
you know, do fantastic. And yeah, it is only because of that nostalgia that got people there. Like, I kid you not, and I know, and I, I'm going to spoil it, so if you haven't seen it, just, like, pause your ears for a minute, or, you know, plug your ears or whatever you got to do, or, like, skip a minute or something. But seeing Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man come back into, like, live action after so long, like, I kid you not, I actually cried a little in the theater. Because <laughs> it was just such a fantastic thing to see, and just the fact that it's, like, it doesn't feel like they've skipped a beat at all with these characters. Doesn't really. So yeah, it is absolutely that nostalgia factor. It is absolutely the fact that like people wanted to see these characters from those mo- from those past Spider-Man movies come back again. So yeah. that's that's definitely why it won out in that box office for sure. Yeah, and domestically, I mean, it's also a culmination cl- of people wanting to go back to see movies and stuff like that too, especially after almost two years worth of movies just not being shown in theaters and stuff like that too. And you got people wanting to go see a movie that they've been clamoring for, for like, I guess in like the moment, I guess, you know, like maybe for the past several years of when they started doing the whole, you know, that'd be fun if we did a multiverse thing and there's like all these, you know, you know, my Spider-Man, you know, teams with yours or something like that. And then, yeah. And they and they already tested the waters with Into the Spider-Verse and look how fantastic yeah. that movie did too. Like it was already proven that, you know, that, that multiverse works. All you got to do is do it, the, do it right and not screw it up. And yeah, it work, it can work perfectly. Oh, definitely. And, and of course, you know, DC is probably going to be testing that, uh, testing those waters. Well, they already did those waters. Yeah, they're, yeah, because like they're what they said, they've been going in the direction of like they're going to be doing kind of more separate things, essentially. Yeah. Uh, like the Flash coming out uh, later this year, I think. You know, that's going to be the, like their version of like the multiverse of yeah, of the multiverse event of the Flash, essentially mm-hmm. bringing all the you know going. Into- that's that's basically their multiverse of madness, essentially. Yeah. And then but, you have, you know, Doctor Strange and his multiverse of madness. And, you know, all this leads back to, you know, Crisis on Infinite Earths and how, you know, how that happened, you know, and 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 that was just a lucky shot from the CW to actually do that because doing a, doing essentially a five part crossover episode and making it um, and making it very cinematic as well, mm-hmm. that's even harder to do because you got at least Five shows, five characters, five supporting cast of characters, and all that just like intermixing to like essentially one big crossover. Compared mm-hmm. to say, you know, uh, you know, compared to say, you know, No Way Home, where it's just like, oh, you have Spider Man, you have, uh, you know, Michelle, MJ, and Ned, and then you have Doctor Strange, which is from the Marvel side, and then suddenly you have, I mean, of course, Aunt May. And then you have essentially Doc Ock, Green Goblin, Electro, the Lizard, Salmon, uh, Matt Murdock. Yeah, Matt Murdock. And then, you know, and then Venom, Garfield Spider Man, and then Tobey Maguire Spider Man. And at the end of that, you have like this the random cameo of uh, Tom, uh, Tom Hardy's Venom, which was teasing, you know, Let There Be Carnage because, oh, you know, it's like. You know, we finally got to see Venom against Spider-Man. And then, nope, it's just, you know, Venom was just too drunk, you know. Or Eddie was just too drunk to say that, you know, to say to say at least. But he did leave something there, so, you know. But it, it, it just goes to show you, and I, I do agree with you, is that it, it definitely felt like it, it was a mixture of two fronts. It was nostalgia for the other Spider-Man, especially in the movies. The success for Into the Spider-Verse. And the yeah the success for going into Spider-Verse, the nostalgia of the Spider-Man films, and also just, like, people wanting to go back to the movies, mm-hmm. especially after essentially two long years. Yeah, and, and, nothing, and nothing good, really, that was worth seeing in the theaters in those past two years as well. I mean... Uh, like, there were some things that were okay, but it's one of those things where it's like... It's, it wouldn't be the end of the world if you just, like, you know, watched it on a streaming service at home or your video on demand at home. Yeah. Like, like this actually felt like a spectacle that had to be seen. Yeah. And, uh, like, 
early that you know early last year well not early like mid last year um fast nine came out and as much as that is as a spectacle it's like do i really want to you know waste well not waste but do i want yeah like waste a couple hours of my time just watching a of a story i already know where it's just like, like literally just same old same old yeah and of course it's like oh john cedar as a ben diesel's brother i'm like first of all but how the hell does that even work when it's just like you know those two barely even look like each other, and we're supposed to supposed to think that, you know, <laughs> Ben Diesel's brother is John Cedar, who is like, like he compared to Ben Diesel and then John Cedar. I'm like, how? <laughs> also, it's like, so are all his family just like these crazy car enthusiasts or something too? Like, does he have a cousin who also drives a car and he's going to show up in the next movie and he's also going to be evil and then maybe eventually he'll shift sides or something like Jason Statham's character did? Or is he going to have like that, you know, overbearing stepfather who disappeared from the picture one day and suddenly he's back and now he's the villain for Fast 11? Well, uh, all those stories and more are going to be told in the Fast and Furious cartoon that's on Netflix. (laughs) I joke, but that's an actual show. Wait, that's an actual show. Yes, they actually have it. I think it's called Spy Racers. Fast and Furious Spy Racers. And, it's space, and it is about um, uh, Dom helping his cousin or nephew or whatnot in the in the underground racing thing while being a spy. I have no idea. I'm like, it's sort of, it's basically the it, idea. It's like, basically, it's like. Who cares about the story? You're here for cars. Yes, exactly. Uh, so, yeah, and of, and of course, you know, the biggest question of all, will No Way Home still hold its top spot in the, in the in not only in the top five of the box office, but the top ten of box office, the moment the vigilante from Gotham enters the picture? And I know you have thoughts on that. Oh, yeah. All right, so let's... Okay. Been waiting for this one for a while now. And then there's this one whole scene that says, Teen Redacted. (laughs) Cut for time. Cut for time. (laughs) But yeah, seriously, so... I think Batman, the Batman, is going to do great at the box office. I don't doubt it for a second, for for a bunch of reasons. The marketing of this film has been phenomenal. The cast is spectacular. The way they also strategically release, like, small clips of it really, like, you know, give you just the right amount of teasing. That weird phrasing, I know, but it gives you the right amount of what to expect from this film. Like, they show a little bit more of the that fight scene between Batman and Catwoman, like we've already basically seen in the trailers. And it spectacularly shows what good cinema is like just from that alone it's like this is how you do a good fight scene and how you show your characters in that fight scene and it's like they also like ugh, sorry i gotta try now channel my thoughts into one train instead of going on multiple trains yeah so that would help so yeah so also the fact that there now there was a film embargo that's film review embargo that's still in place until the 28th which is fine because i know there there have been some people saying well, that's just like, you know, one day before the movie technically comes out. The movie technically doesn't come out on uh, the next day, on March 1st. That's actually a fan screening that's going to happen. So technically the movie isn't officially released. It's technically a fan screening. Fan yeah. screening. But I think some theaters have also kind of mixed up this, and they thought, oh, maybe that's actually when it is releasing, so we're just going to go ahead and put more, you know, release dates here. I think Batman, the Batman is going to do good through word of mouth. Yeah. Because... This is also something that's like this hype for this movie has been fantastic. Like you could like this hype has been just as much up there, honestly, as Spider Man. Yeah. And I think it's I think it's gonna do a good job with this opening box office. I would say at the it'll definitely be somewhere in the top ten, probably top five. Maybe honestly definitely top five if I have to make a prediction. Given what's out now and what's been out so far. Yeah. But I think it's possible it will go into the top five. For sure. Now, will it? I don't. I don't think it's gonna, you know, dethrone Spider-Man. I don't think that. And as much as I love Batman, I also do love Spider-Man too, or, or you know, Spider-Man as well. I should say. So, 
but also just looking at these movies as they are. Batman looks great as a detective movie, but <laughs> and also it looks great from a visual and filmmaking standpoint as well, because it, it just doesn't like any, because it, you know, it's not relying so much on CGI the way that, you know, a lot of the Marvel movies do. But of yeah. course, it's like we talked about before, what that Spider-Man movie had in its, you know, in its corner to really uplift it and benefit it so much was the nostalgia factor. Yeah. But that, but that's, but it's not something you can really apply to this same movie per se. Yeah, because it's basically a whole new movie, a whole new cast of Batman characters. Uh, the only nostalgic that they could probably be going for is maybe a little bit of how. Actually, the... there is one nostalgia thing: Batman uh, saying the line "I'm vengeance." Well, yeah, and because that, that's you know reminiscent of the you know, from Batman the animated series when Batman yeah. goes, you know, "I am vengeance. I am the night. I am Batman." Yeah, and uh, the nostalgia factor of Catwoman and Penguin being in the same movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and and also Cat- having the Riddler actually being the Riddler <laughs> and not like Jim Carrey's version. Yeah, and that like, and of course, all that really does. Okay, first off, I do want to say, even though the Batman hasn't really been taken, uh, been, and it get, and goes straight into the next uh, character, uh, the next thing that we were talking about, which is the Oscars. But I just want to give a nice shout out to the the production design of the bat of the Batman, but also the costume design of the mm-hmm. Batman because the costume design for the Penguin looks amazing. And just all that prosthetic work, like, Push, like, like, cause, cause, cause that was just simply because it's like, you know, the actor was like, I don't want to gain a lot of weight for this role, so let's just do prosthetics. That'll be, cause he's like, and this is going to be a lot easier. Yeah. I mean, he's, I don't know, I don't know if he was still thinking that when he's like sitting in the chair every time they have to shoot a penguin scene, he has to sit there for a couple hours, like put the prosthetics on, and then go back there when they have to take it off. But it looks, it looks fantastic. And, and you know, Colin Farrell is like, uh, like, almost giddy with that because he's like, he, he just mentioned that they're writing episodes for the spinoff series for the penguin already. So they're already in, in, in motion of a franchise already off of this franchise. So, mm-hmm. um, DC and, has and, like, and also I gotta say, I'm so sorry. I interrupted, but I gotta say one more quick thing. So also the fact that they're even doing a fan screening alone that shows how much faith they have that Warner Brothers has in this movie, especially because Warner Brothers didn't have a lot of faith because there were some reports a while, like many, many months ago, where Warner Brothers was honestly like concerned about the movie, even though Matt Reeves was like, no, this is going to be fantastic. And it's like you look at test screens and people are like, this is fantastic. Of so, course. yeah, the fact that they are, they are doing fan screening, because I have not seen any other kind of superhero movie that has ever gotten a fan screening before the official release date of a movie. Uh, it's, it's just, it's it's unheard of to really have it happen. Like, maybe there have been some exceptions, but it is rare. Yeah, like, the, the last time I, I remember that was probably maybe Deadpool, and I happened to see Deadpool, oh. like, maybe a few days before it actually opened up, because there was a fan screening in uh, Manhattan, and there was a... Uh, uh, it was literally like uh, yeah, a few days before it actually officially opened. It was a, a I basically got a chance to see, see Deadpool before it happens. I mean, and of course, you know, and then they, how fantastic did that movie do? Yeah, and of course, you know, fan screenings or preview screenings. That's you know, that's nothing new. You know, that, that that's that, they, they've been doing that for like for years on end. But so what also should be stated about this fan screening was that tickets for it sold out within 24 hours of them. Not even, like, announcing the release, too. Like, it just, you know, they kind of leaked this release that they were going to be selling tickets for it. Like, I just stumbled onto it when I was following, ironically enough, a Batman fan account on Instagram. So then I looked into it. I saw it was real, and I just snapped. Not snap, I grabbed my ticket as soon as I could. And I was literally going to do the same thing, but then I realized, you know, uh, that would be too hard to do. It's like, even if I do a fan screening of, like, uh, that'll be even more hard to do because um, chances are uh, they probably wouldn't have. Uh, it probably won't, I won't probably won't be able to have time to get to that. Mm-hmm. And speaking of time, it actually goes into a, a great segue into present all twenty three, and that's I mean ha, you know hashtag present all twenty three. So the Oscars are back in the news today, and uh, for whatever reason they decided to do. They decided to cut out eight categories in the um, the actual uh, uh, awards, though. 
and the categories that they uh, are they doing out of the eight categories they decide to do they decide to cut out documentary short live action short animation short sound production design hair and makeup original score and film editing at least three of those ones are very important mm-hmm. film editing original score and sound the others i can understand because you know documentary short hair and makeup all the other sorts production i mean oh wait i'm sorry four of those production design film editing sound original score easily very important categories because production design film editing the, the sound design and original score those really make the movies mm-hmm. i can understand them you know doing uh hair and makeup i mean hair and hair uh, makeup and hairstyling i'm sorry Documentary short, anima- animation short, and uh, live action short, all on the pre-show, right? Or even mm-hmm. before they, uh, even before they do it. But the four, like, it, it just boggles the mind. It's like, oh, they'll take away eight of those rewards for a more time effect, uh, time efficient award show when you know that Carly not got to do it on time because all these award shows never go on time. Uh, if it is on time, it's amazing because it's probably because they had no host or anything. And, mm-hmm. and I think the, the one of the reasons why people are more pissed off about this is because they have three hosts. You know, they have Wanda Sykes, who is an excellent comedian, uh, Regina Hall, fantastic actress and even fantastic, fantastic. That's a new word. Fantastic actress and even amazing your oh my god I'm mixing up words today. <laughs> Fantastic okay. actress and amazing comedian, uh, comedian and Amy Schumer. You know, mm. less about her, but but yeah, um, you have essentially three hosts, and then you're kind of like using the example of. Oh, we're just gonna try and make it more time efficient, uh, time efficient, and all that stuff. When we all know that live award shows or live shows in general, they can never go on without a, without a hitch. You know, mm-hmm. there's always yeah. something that happens. Yeah, we we're both in theater. You know, we we yeah. both know how th- live theater works. You know, oh, like but, there's always gonna be some flub, like that notorious flub, like you know, when I think Jimmy Kimmel was hosting, where they announced the wrong movie, yeah, the best picture. And then they, they're trying to cover, and they're trying to, like, you know, cover up, like, not cover up, but really, but, like, they're trying to figure out, you know, how this happened and all, and it's, like, and the reasons they give are just kind of, I don't know, just weird. Yeah, it definitely feels like uh, the Oscars are trying to save their ass because, oh, you know, these are just, like, to them, less important categories for everything mm-hmm. else, where it's just, like... Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it's, like, it's, it's, like, they're so desperately trying to save their ratings because the ratings have just consistently been going down for the Oscars for... For really award shows in general, I think, for just a long time, because it's like, it's just been one of those constant things where it's like, I think we talked about this before the last time, when we were talking about, you know, the Oscar stuff, where it's like, we are all watching because we are just hoping somehow that those who actually deserve to get those Oscars actually get them, and then of course, our disappointment when the inevitable happens, where they don't. And it always goes to the same predictable person, the same predictable movie, the same predictable category. Yeah. And and I think a, a lot of it what has been, because of what you just said before, they're trying to appeal to a more broader audience. And the problem is no one has really been watching the Oscars mm-hmm. as a mainstay show for, like, probably over 10 years or so. Like, I don't remember. At, at least the last five years. If I have yeah, I don't know. Like, the last time someone gave a, you know, a shit about the Oscars was probably when Ellen DeGeneres hosted because she was, she was trying to make it, like, more of her own show and stuff like that, too. Oh, no, probably Ricky Gervais hosted, though, because he oh, had oh. that, like, super viral, like, you know, clip of him just, like, roasting everybody. Well, that was the Golden Globes, so. Oh, Golden Globes, well. Yeah. And that's another well, thing. Tomato, tomato, award shows are award shows, like, honestly. Yeah. And, you know, it's... I honestly haven't really cared about the Oscars for more than a few years now, especially mm-hmm. especially when it, when they didn't want to do the hosting anymore, and then they started bringing back the hosting, and now it's like Oscars have been so problematic for the past 
20 years, even more than 20 years. Uh, mm-hmm. But but it's been more problematic with, within the past 20 years or so. Yeah. And, and it's like they refuse to address what the real problems are because that real, that real problem is basically they have to address themselves. Yeah. And they don't want and, to do that because that's uncomfortable. And there's a reason why every around Oscar season, especially around the Oscar time when you're watching it, is the hashtag Oscars show white because mm-hmm. – a lot of the problems have been because of diversity problems and stuff like that too. And I remember, like, were, like, literally, like literally, I think I made this joke to you. It's like, all right, and our Oscar choices are this actor who actually is talented and knows what they're doing, or this blank piece of copy paper. And, and the award goes to the blank. the blank white piece of copy paper. Yes, because bland and boring, or apparently uh, Oscar mainstays and whatnot, and. and, and, and and it's weird because, and I've actually had this thought yesterday where it's just like, I'm just glad I'm not in the Hollywood business of like, like the, in the Hollywood business where it's just like, mm-hmm. I'm in this like uh, zone of wanting to do making movies and getting awards and all stuff like that too. If I want to get awards, I actually go and like go to like independent awards where they actually mm-hmm. do feel a lot more mainstay of, oh, you know, it's like they actually do care about a lot more. Mm-hmm. A lot more of the of the uh, awards, but also just a lot more of the film, uh, film, well, film and TV in general. Whereas it's like they actually give to actors who actually feel like they should have gotten Oscars for mm-hmm. this performance. But like, they, it feels like there's more heart in that yeah. than a lot of these main these new mainstream award shows. And of course, you know, I won't be surprised if like, oh. You know, ten years from now, I could be hosting the Oscars or something like that, and someone would be like, "Oh, look at this! Look, look at this vile trip of Brian Davis, like uh, disting on the Oscars. He should not host the Oscars." I'm like, uh, "Well, well, one, I've already signed the contract, so if they, <laughs> so they already got, so if I get, so I already signed a contract. Um, two, if I, if they don't put me on as a host, that's a breach of contract, and I have to shoe them and all that stuff. So I'm like, yeah." It's a whole different thing. I would have to call in my lawyer from uh, Hell's Kitchen, so I'm like, <laughs> I'm sorry, that's a, that's an easy joke for me. Hey, he is a very good lawyer. I know, but still, <laughs> it, it's it's the idea of the Oscars really not focusing on like what these exact problems are, mm-hmm. and it, it's sort of like, it, in a very gross example, it's uh, it's like dealing with a, with a boil. You know, like, oh, yeah, you know, dealing with a ball, a boil, boil breaks and like and you try, you know, do, you know, boil all that stuff breaks and like, OK, so the boil broke. OK, I'm good. So I'll just clean it off. Nothing wrong. And then five days later, it falls again or something. You know, it's like <laughs> for some reason, I thought you're talking about boil from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. And I'm like, this can still apply, though, in a way. Yes, it does. <laughs> Actually, yes, Boyle from Brooklyn Nine-Nine could have the same problems. Like, again, Boyle uh, could could literally have the worst luck, and then we'll just be like, and that's another great thing. And that, uh, sorry for the side uh, sidebar, but that's a great thing about Boyle from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. He would have the worst luck, but still come out of it with some optimism, saying, "Well, you know, it's at, at least it, you know it didn't go as you know worse." And of course, it goes as worse as the plan. It goes. He still, you know, remains with a, like bright optimism and whatnot. But yeah, it, it definitely feels like the Oscars. They're trying to cater to more of a younger crowd, mm-hmm. and younger crowd, you know, I guess they don't want to want to watch a four hour, uh, uh, a four hour. Uh, I don't want to say it, but you know, it's, I, if I say it, I might get censored by YouTube. But a four hour, uh, you know, what a thon for for themselves in Hollywood. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it definitely feels like the Oscars or the Academy really, even if they want to be progressive and stuff and whatnot, they don't mm-hmm. want to, like, bite the bullet and actually be progressive. Yeah, it's like they want to do, it's like also, like, you can compare the same thing to what happened so much in so many TV shows and movies. Like we were talking about last week with, like, you know, the that prequel Lord of the Rings shows. It's like they basically want to do just the bare minimum to make it seem like they actually care when yeah. they actually really don't. And people somehow have like 
have allowed themselves to be fooled and eat yeah. and just eat this up. Because I think, because it's like, that's the thing. It's like, we have, we've just grown accustomed to the fact that the, the bare minimum is, is probably all we're ever going to get. Yeah. And that's unfortunate. That's sad. But then it's like, this is just sadly the world we happen to be in when it comes to this kind of stuff. And it's like, and then people get upset. I was like, why are you complaining about them doing this all? It's like, well, I'm complaining about them doing the bare minimum. I think they should have gone further, but they yeah. won't. And, and it's like, why do you have a problem with that? When I, when if anything, I'm, when anything, with anything, ugh, when if anything, I am agreeing with you. Yeah. I think they should be doing more, but they aren't. And they, and they shouldn't be praised just because they're doing the bare minimum. They should be like, you could, they should be actually scolded because you were able to do the bare minimum when we all know you could have gone more. You could have gone further, but didn't because you didn't want to. Yeah. And I, and, and of course, you know, people who don't want to watch award shows, you know, they watch it for the funny jokes and whatnot and where the funny comedy sketches and all that stuff, especially the opening of like 10 minutes of an Oscars thing or Golden Globes or the Emmys. Yeah. Where it's like they have fantastic sketches that deals with uh, the, the type of things. And, you know, whoever's doing writing that uh, Oscar uh, opening thing is like they're going to probably make fun of the whole they're going to probably make fun of a lot of things and somehow it'll just come across as being either awkward or just like awkward funny where it's just like I should not be laughing at this but cringe fine cringe okay be <laughs> awkward it'd be like essentially cringe and then become awkward and then both cringy and awkward yeah uh, all right but yeah I sh- but I'm in the camp of them presenting all 23 awards because you know why should eight awards be subjected to a tele? And not only that, that they're doing it right before the actual award show. So even when they were coming into the, um, even as people are coming into the theater to uh, sit down, they'll probably be already be okay. You know, this and the award goes to blah 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 blah. And you know, it's like you think you've shown up on time. It's like okay, I made the effort. I'm actually here on time. I'm gonna watch this from the beginning. Wait, what, why are we in the middle of this? What's going on? Yes, exactly. It's like you have all these people going into the award show, and then suddenly it's like, oh, you know, they're already doing an award show before the award show, which, you know, it doesn't even make sense because, you know, it's like, <sighs> like I said before, I'm just glad I'm not in the Hollywood business of just being, you know, a business maker or stuff like that, too, but... Mm-hmm. If, this, you know, if I was one of those people who's like nominated for something, I just still wouldn't show up. I'd be like, I don't care. Like Eminem, like li- like literally Eminem famously did not show up for um like I, th- I think it was uh Eight Mile or something like that, and then it's like he literally did not show up for eight like for winning award for Eight Mile, or maybe it was uh another world another I think it was for Eight Mile, and then suddenly you know it's like. Mm-hmm. Three years ago, they did the whole thing where he actually finally showed up, and it was like it was a big moment for that. And then, mm-hmm. yeah, it's like your work will speak a whole hell of a lot more than some trophy will. Yeah, and of course, you know, some actors have not famously, uh, you know, gone to the awards. Mom Brando famously had uh, an indigenous woman pres- uh, be uh, gifted, gifted, awarded to him, or be awarded in his in like in his honor and then she went on a um speech of that of something she, i believe either she or him or he wrote and it was basically a, about how you know how uh indigenous people were being uh saw off the land because of uh, uh you know a uh, big business and stuff like that too man. and of course you know like as, 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 and to wrap this up yeah, staying home from all wars, so that's nothing new. It's like a lot of actors have probably will stay home because of you know the notion of and and and, and here's another thing. Uh, apparently, they're not going to be doing uh, COVID uh, vac- uh, COVID vaccination requirement. If you aren't like unvaccinated, you could come in, and that's only because of a lot of people who are going to be on the show. Who are very anti-vaxxers and they, they, they need them to come on the show and actually perform, which is you know some bullshit. But you know, yeah, that is that is uh, so much BS. 
But speaking of that, even more BS. But maybe on a lighter side, uh, lighter side of BS is a pay uh, pay raise. So a couple weeks ago, or was it last week? I forgot. But yeah, I think it was last week. Futurama was announced to be brought back by Hulu, a full season. Primary cast is returning, aside from Joe Joe DiMaggio, who plays who you know voices Bender and you know a few other characters, but he primarily voices Bender. And a lot of people were wondering about where's Joe? Why is he not come back as Bender? Is Bender gonna be on the show? He might be on the show. He just might be like a very <laughs> like one of those type of things. It's just like he's there in the back, he's there in the foreground, but it's like Bender, where's your voice? And and Bender goes speaking. It's like ah. You know, Bender's voice you know, has no voice box. You know, we're trying to get that all sorted out. Or, or it's like he'll just be like, like he'll just be like shut down in the corner and like, like and probably, yeah, probably like, hey, what's wrong with Bender? And the press will be like, oh, we've had problems with Bender recently. We can't really fix them, so I use them as a lawn piece, <laughs> which would be a professional thing to do. Yeah. But yeah, uh, now pay raises. And according to rumors or anything else, because DiMaggio hasn't really said why he's not, like, officially not returning. But rumors have stated that the reason why he isn't returning is because he wants a full pay raise for the entire cash. Mm. And that has happened before, previously, with The Simpsons. Mm -hmm. Ironically enough, another Matt Green show. And The Simpsons cast was really almost about to leave the show when, you know, Fox decided, okay, well, up their pay raise for another like what was that, I think two hundred grand or something like that to the to the actual uh, to the actual um, pay amount or something like that. So they ended up essentially you know getting a nice little pay raise because mm-hmm. of the you know the Simpsons are still on they're still doing the uh, episodes and stuff like that too. So it's like yeah. of course it worked out in the end. But with um, Bender, you know Bender is a Bender is a very memorable character because of uh, you know uh, DiMaggio's uh, mm-hmm. way of doing the character. Exactly. Like the same like the same thing with Katie Seagal as uh, Leela or Billy West as uh, Fry. It's mm-hmm. like or, or like whoever or the guy voices the professor unless that's the same person. Or one yeah it is Billy West. Exactly yeah. You know uh, Phil Lamar is amazing as our Hermes and, mm-hmm. and oh and of course we um can't forget, um, wow, I'm already blanking on his name. The, the crab guy. I think that's, uh, Jamal, uh, I think that might be Billy West again. Exactly. It's like, yeah, like, so many iconic voices. And it's like, you take away one of them. It's like, then it's like the whole formula of the show has just changed, essentially. Yeah, and I could easily see them making fun of that, you know, with, like, like what you just said before, why is Bender not talking? And the professor's like, oh, well, you know, I decided, you know, I... Put him as a like a lawn space or something <laughs> like that. I and I could legitimately see them actually doing that in the show where it's just like every every like oh Bender's in the show, but he's in the background of, of like the show, just like as like R two D two, just like just shut down. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, of the, at the, at the end, <laughs> and then at the end of the season, he's just like I'm back, baby. Like, <laughs> and then credits roll for the series. Yes. Hang on, I. Uh... Oh hey, now you got a cat out there. Sounds like. Yeah, the cats are outside. I'm sorry. They're okay. uh, they they're, they're a little couple of alley cats that hang around the house. So the one is looking for the mate or or crying out for mate. It's annoying, especially if it's like three o'clock in the morning and I'm about to go to sleep or I'm in the process of sleeping and all I just hear is <laughs> it's annoying. But yeah, yeah. It would also be funny too. The professor's like. Oh, I took his batteries out so I could charge my coffee maker. Again, which will be a professional thing to do. But, mm-hmm. yeah, pay rates, especially for actors, that hasn't been, that's been, uh... Also because, like, the show's has, been off the air for so long, too, that yeah. I feel like you kind of would have to do that. They really, you know... Especially going forward with it being on Hulu. And, uh, like, Hulu... I'm not sure how well the the new Animaniacs are, but because I only watched like maybe two episodes of the new Animaniacs and I stopped watching because it felt like very, very weird to watch the new Animaniacs with like new animation. Mm-hmm. Even with the same type of voices and the same type of jokes and stuff like that too, but the new animation and new stories were just like very like 
uh, shell shock. Or, mm-hmm. I mean, not shell shock. It, it was very uh, weird to watch. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, the, you know, pay rates have been, uh, you know, um, been around in a while. I remember maybe back in the 90s or or, or in the early 2000s, uh, the cast of Friends got a pay rate because of the amount of episodes they were doing because, you know, the cast mm-hmm. of Friends, I think you can't do a show called Friends without the Friends and yeah, sure enough, they get like you know a million dollars an episode or something like that, or yeah, two million dollars an episode, wherever wherever Jeez. those pay rates. Yeah, wow. So, but another reason why I'm bringing back this up is that Team Wolf, the, a show that has not been on Team uh, MTV for the past several years, like maybe maybe 2016 around that area. Mm-hmm. Uh, so going on six years or so. Is having a reunion movie, huh. and uh, I I'm not sure if Tyler uh, Tyler Hetchin, if I'm pronouncing this correctly, Hetchin, uh, the guy who plays Superman and Superman, yeah, the guy, guy who plays uh, Superman, Superman Lois. I'm not sure if he's coming back. It was you know it's like really hard to to fix a schedule around that while he's mm-hmm. filming you know a new TV, you know, TV show per weekly. Mm-hmm. You know if they. If they find a way for him to bring back that, that's fine. But yeah, maybe uh, to have him show up for like a couple minutes, I guess I could see that. But yeah, especially since Derek is like a, even though Derek is still a major character in the show, it's like he, he's still like kind of like he could still just be there as like maybe a five minute cameo or something like that just to help yeah. him out. Yeah, exactly. But, but from what I've read is that one of the actors, Arden Cho, who played. Oh, I forgot her name on the show, but she played essentially a main character, and she played a uh, essentially uh, a kitsu, I believe that's the word, but basically uh, like the Japanese version of a of a supernatural fox. Okay. I think, I think that's where I think that's where um I think that's what I'm looking at. I mean, I'm okay. trying to recall, but the character apparently was maybe written out or. Something to that effect, and our new replacement character with the same exact uh, nationality, the same exact a similar name, and the same exact uh, creature or you know, kitsu, same exact everything. And apparently, you know, from from what I read, the the cast of that is getting like maybe two hundred thousand dollars or so money to do the thing, and this character. It's only gave me getting like maybe a quarter of that, which is like maybe three grand a week, or something like that. Huh. <coughs> you know, especially if it's going to be like a a couple of months shoot or something like that. Yeah. So yeah, what I'm trying to say that that um, the pay rates, especially for actors, have been around for a while, and and even though you know one actor could be. Uh, Another perfect example for this is um, Terrence Howard in uh, the Iron Man. He mm. famously did not, you know, he famously wanted some more money for for uh, Iron Man too. I think he wanted like to be making the same exact type of money that Robert Downey Jr. was making, but even then they were like, eh, you know what? They fired him, and then you know Terrence Howard became uh, uh, Captain Planet, aka uh, Don Cheadle. So I'm like. Hang on. I was like, I didn't know if you were freezing on that, but you kind of like froze in place. So I wasn't sure if you were like, oh, crap, it happened again. Okay. I'm good. I'm good. Okay. But, yeah. The, but, yeah, stop me if you need to stop you if you want, Hayden. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think um, I, I just don't have much to say on this because it's like I just don't think there really is much particularly more I can add to that particular discussion. Yeah. It's just one of those things where it's like, yeah, like, it just wish it could be better for certain actors. Yeah. But it's like, yeah, it sadly is what it is. Yeah, and, you know... Because it's also just, you know, like, it's just also, it's just, you know, companies and stuff like that. Like, they also don't want to shell out too much money at the same time because they're more concerned with, oh, what if this fails and then we're going to lose money? Because that's always going to be their number one concern at the end of the day, money. Yeah. And the profit. Now, um... In the terms of pay rates and actors, they definitely do need to have more uh, 
actors being paid a lot more, especially if they are, especially if this is a reunion movie, you know, it's a yeah. reunion movie. It may actually become successful enough for people to actually like, oh, you know, uh, two million people or five million people watched this reunion movie, you know. Yeah, like if you get enough people watching it, it could be something that could actually motivate them to like do a reboot, essentially. Which would be interesting, you know. But like, it's sure. like yeah, who knows? It's like you know, just like but yeah, it's like you know, I don't know. Yeah, it, it's weird. It's like every so often when a show you know comes back, especially if it's like a, a reboot or. A, a, you know, like a reboot or a reunion movie or something like that. Mm-hmm. There's always got to be some, like, some downside of it, especially going forward. Whereas, like, uh, a perfect example would probably be you and Dexter, where yeah. like, you, you were so jazzed about Dexter, and then suddenly, as the end of the episode, at the end of the series, was like, you were just like, you were just so downtrodden about with Dexter because of how, uh, how mishandled the last couple of episodes were, or the last episode. Well, yeah, it was just that last one episode in particular. Yeah. Because everything else was going good. Like, I don't even know what happened. It, feel, it, it feels like it kind of fell into that kind of Game of Thrones trap, where they just wanted to be done with it. Yeah. and they were like, because, yeah. because, like, the first two episodes of the final season of Game of Thrones, those were good. They felt like what Game of Thrones was. Yeah, so that was, you know, they felt like they were kind of getting back on course, and then the last four episodes, and it's like, Wow. You guys really just don't care at all anymore, do you? Yeah. You just want to be done with this, like which also the creators of it, or not the creators, the writers, the I guess the main writers, whoever they were, literally said it's like, yeah, we basically just want to be done with this so we can move on to our Netflix project we had in the works. So yes. and I and I feel like that was a lot of the case here with Dexter, like Clyde Phillips, just like it felt like he just wanted just to be so done with Dexter, but in that last episode, and which is so know. disappointing. And with Dexter, you know, it, 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 it's, you know, hard to write a character like that, especially if it's like a miniseries or stuff like that, too, where it's just like you have to have. Also, the fact that the guy wants to do another, like, the, the, the guy even said, like, you know, Clyde Phillips even like, hey, maybe we'll do another season, but we'll just put the focus on Dexter's son, Harrison, now. Hmm. Which also, oh, that's going to fail miserably. Like, I'm sorry, but that kid cannot lead a show. For supporting, he's perfect. I just don't see him leading a show like that. Yeah, Dexter is Dexter because of you know, Michael Sheehan's mm-hmm. Dexter. But like, I, literally, he is the reason people watch that show. His performance, his acting, what he brings to it, that is what made people want to watch that show in the first place. And a good way to actually wrap this up is what brings back to uh, my original point is that people love Futurama for the cast itself. And mm-hmm. people loved watching Teen Wolf for the cast itself. So when there's a not so when there's a cast member severely missing, will that still be at fault or will it you know you know, will the world like what you said about the Batman before mm-hmm. was like will 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 word of mouth help the show or reboot along whereas it's like okay, people actually uh, like the show. You know, uh mm-hmm. so yeah that, that was a great way to end the episode and uh yeah. Um, now, full disclosure: there's no episode next week. Uh, we're kind of like, uh, hopefully, I'll be uh, filming a couple of episodes of Call Time, so you can expect that coming soon again. Hopefully, uh, Hayden has a couple of stuff ha- happening in his life, so he can't really film that stuff. You know, he has to help uh, his family go see the Batman twice in one week. So, oh yeah, so, which which has got to be amazing on your body too. It's like you got to be singing a three-hour movie. It's like trying not to drink that much sir and then trying to you know, eat all that popcorn, and then and then suddenly like, oh crap, I used the bathroom, and then suddenly you go to miss the thing. I'm like, oh damn it, what did I miss? <laughs> I mean, I did it for Endgame, so I can easily do it again. I just, I literally all I need is that motivation, and also I just kind of plan out when I eat and you know consume liquid before I see it to make sure I do it just the right amount of time. Yeah. That way I'm not spending my time in the theater just running to the restroom. Also, and, fasting, it can really be a thing of beauty sometimes. And, of course, you know, I, I'm going to hope to see if I can see uh, the Batman uh, hopefully next week as well. So, yeah, next week is going to be like a little busy week for both of us. You know, he has his mm-hmm. personal stuff happening with his, you know, per, you know, his personal stuff. He has the Batman. I have my uh, call time stuff that I'm going to try and go back to. Uh, we have essentially we, we both have essentially per, um, per, yeah, essentially personal stuff that you know 
we can't do another show next week. So next episode next week. So we'll be back in two weeks to tell you all what we thought about the Batman, how great it was, how awful it was, how in the middle of the road it was, what have you. It'll be our thoughts on the Batman, which will probably be the, the major story or the major point. So basically, <laughs> next episode, we're all talking about the Batman, folks. So, so and, if, and if you want, follow my Instagram, because on the night of the fan screening, once I finish the movie, as soon as I get in my car, I'm going to do a quick live reaction summary for my Instagram story. And I'll probably post that as a reel also on my Instagram page. Which is, of course, always uh, which, of course, you all should be following the and uh, you know, all should be following and yeah, so be following. Yeah, this. like my yeah, it'll be in the description below in the uh, you know YouTube YouTube video description thing. So you can just find me there and uh, give me a follow. And when that time comes, you'll get my first reaction. All right, and anybody else, just take care, be well, and please be safe. See ya. <laughs>